Good evening, this is Caleb Arnd with the Walk With God podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for joining me today. This is the 2nd of May, 2020, Saturday, and today we're going to be reading from Psalm 103, Judges chapter 15 through 16, Proverbs chapter 14 verses 17 through 19, and John chapter 2. Before we get started, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would visit with us today as we study your word. Please open our eyes, our minds, our hearts to receive your instruction. Lord, please send your Holy Spirit to give us your message. Please speak to our spirit with your spirit. Help us, Lord, to understand wondrous things out of thy word. Help us to understand your history, what you've done, what you've said, what you uh, have said that will come to pass in the future as well. Help us to study and to understand the, the principles, the purposes, the things that you have said and shown that are important that we should follow after. Help us to follow you in a, wor- in a way that is worthy of you, that glorifies you, Lord. Help us to surrender ourselves to you, Lord, and to follow after you as we are uh, supposed to follow after you. Lord, I pray that you would heal our land and our country, revive the hearts and the minds of our land, our people, our citizens. Lord, please, I pray, bless and lead and guide and protect our leaders. Help them, Lord, please give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Help them to do the right thing and help us all as followers of you, to do the right thing and to love you and to love other people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, now Psalm 103 is what we're going to read from Psalm, a Psalm of David, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Here in Psalm 103, David is writing a psalm 
where he's blessing the Lord. He's remembering all the blessings that the Lord has bestowed upon him. And he gives his personal testimony in it, of it in the first few verses. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. He's remembering every good thing that the Lord has done for him specifically. And He's also declaring that the Lord is righteous and that he executes righteousness in verse 6, that he gave Moses the law and that he gave justice. He gave the uh, commandment of uh, the, that justice to be carried out and how it is to be executed. He praises the Lord in his mercy and graciousness. He recognizes that God is eternally and ever lastingly merciful and that he executes or that he shows that mercy and that grace to those that love him and that fear him for as heaven is high above the earth so great is his mercy toward them that fear him he says in verse 11 and verse 12 and this is one of the amazing verses of the bible that shows just how far god removes our sin and our iniquity from us uh, when he has saved us, when he has cleansed us, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And that is as far as eternity and infinity is. It's from uh, past one side of the universe to the other side of the universe. It is immeasurable. We don't even know how far that is. It's that great of a distance. And then we also see the mercy and the tender love of the Father, our Lord God. And it says in verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Now this pity is not of a, oh, you're such a low creature. No, it's more like, oh, you fell again. Here, let me help you up. In this psalm, we also see how the Lord understands and recognizes where we have come from because Adam was made from dust. In verse 14, it says he knoweth our frame. He knows what we have been created out of, that he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. Grass grows out of the dust, grows out of the field, grows from the earth. But when grass withers, it is blown away. When it decays, when it falls apart back into dust and into ash and into uh, and is absorbed back down into the ground, it is not remembered where it has been seen there before. It, the earth does not remember the very grass or the flowers that were there before. And so the earth, the creation itself, will not remember us when we are gone. But the Lord does, because his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. The Lord, he remembers everything that we've ever done, everything that we've ever spoken for him. And the Lord also, he is high and lifted up. He has prepared his throne in the heavens, in verse 19, and his kingdom ruleth over all. And then we see something very interesting in verses 20, 21, and 22, that the psalmist is declaring to the angels of the Lord, to the host of the Lord, and then all of the works of the Lord. And so the angels of the Lord are his specific servants that were created in heaven that have always known God since their creation, 
and they have served him. At least at least two-thirds of them have served him. We uh, will see later in Scripture that when Lucifer, the, uh, Satan, fell and left and departed from heaven, he took a third of the angelic host with him. But here we're, we are kind of given a glimpse of the position of angels, that they do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. And so they are given commandments to do, and they follow those commandments. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Now what could this mean? Could this possibly mean those that are in heaven now and those that are waiting upon the Lord and living with the Lord in heaven and are the hosts that could come back with him for his second coming back to the earth? Or are these also those that are living upon the earth now that are serving for him? Yeah, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure, it says. And so when we spread the gospel, possibly this is talking about those that are winning souls to the Lord. Bless the Lord, all the, his works in all places of his dominion. Everything has been created by him, and so everything that is created is his work and his creation. And so here we see that this is telling all of his creations, everything that has been created by him, to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And David, once again, uh, finishing the psalm with his personal account of, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He has been so good to me that I want to be a blessing unto him. Now we're going to turn to the book of Judges. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Judges. We're going to read chapters 15 and 16 today about Samson. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. And he said, I will get, go in to my wife into the chamber. But her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught three hundred foxes, and took firebrands, and turned tail to tail, and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines, and burnt up both the shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Then the Philistines said, who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rocky Tom. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson, or be come up, uh, to do to him as he hath done to us. Then three thousand men of Judah went to the top of the rocky Tom, and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him, saying, No, but we will bind thee fast, and deliver thee into their hand, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords, and brought him up from the rock. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. 
and he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. And Samson said, With the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and called that place Ramoth-Lehi. And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant, and now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave a hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name therefore En-Hakor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines twenty years." Chapter 16. Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in, and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city, and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight, and arose at midnight, and took the doors of the gate of the city, and the two posts, and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders, and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men laying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber, and she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs, as a thread of tow is broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak, and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes, and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber, and he brake them from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me, and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, and she fastened it with the pin, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awaked out of his sleep, and went away with the pin of the beam, and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. 
And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep, and said, I will go out as at other times before, and shake my and he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him, and put out his eyes, and brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their god, for they said, Our god hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me, that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord, and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand, and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords, and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down, and took him, and brought him up, and buried him between Zorah and Eshtel, in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel twenty years. Okay, before we rehearse and we uh, really get into studying chapter 15 and chapter 16 of the book of Judges with Samson, we have to uh, take note of something that happened back in chapter 14. During Samson's seven-day wedding feast, uh, the word feast here in the Hebrew that is used, verse 10, is literally translated as like a drinking party. Uh, the, the different types of translations for the different variations of the word are to drink, drink, drinking, consumption, active drinking, uh, and then manner of drinking. And so this is a not just a feast where eat food is being consumed, but this is like a drinking, drinking party. And so this is the second part of the three parts of the Nazarite vow that Samson has broken. Now, after that, in chapter 15, Samson goes to his wife that he had betrothed, but had not gone in unto her yet, and finds that her father had given him given her to the best man of his wedding party. And so because of this, Samson gets very angry, and he catches 300 foxes, the verse says, in verse 4 of chapter 15. And he, so he turns the, toxes, the foxes tail to tail. He, basically, he's like tying a rope between their tails, and then ties a firebrand or a torch in between the ropes so that 
when he lets the foxes go, where whichever way they'll run, they'll run kind of maybe in jagged or crisscrossing areas, and they'll light everything on fire as they're running and trying to get away, and they're not going to stop running because they know that this fire is right behind them as well, and they want to get away from it. And so when he had done that, all of the the standing corn or the wheat and the, the shocks and everything from their fields in the Philistines were set on fire and burned. The Philistines see this, they figure out that Samson had done this and it was because of the Timnite and how he had given away his betrothed wife to someone else and so they go and they burn them with fire and Samson then attacks these men that had just killed his uh, betrothed wife and her father and who were going to be his in-laws and then he smites them hip and thigh it says and so with a complete destruction and it doesn't list how many died in this battle, but we can assume that there were quite a few of them that died. Now, because of this, the Philistines then come and encamp against Judah, and then the uh, the men of Judah, 3,000 of them, come out to Samson because they don't want to go out and fight against the Philistines, and they bind Samson with some cords to take him down and give him over to the Philistines who were ruling over them. Once he gets down to their camp, the bands from off of Samson's arms just break and snap like it was just uh, lint that was being burned in the fire and being snapped apart. And the spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson and he, he picks up the jawbone of a donkey, which is almost like a natural club, and he uses that to kill a thousand of the Philistines there. Once he kills all of them and he throws the jawbone away, then uh, he collapses in exhaustion and of dehydration from all of this exertion and loss of body water and of the water from his uh, bloodstream and all the sweat that he has probably produced in fighting over and killing over a thousand of these Philistines. And so he praises the Lord for the Lord to uh, not let him die there. And so the Lord uh, opens up a hollow in the ground, we think. It, this was in the ground, not in the actual jawbone, because Samson names this place the jawbone, names this hill where he's on the jawbone. And so God uh, allows this water to come up from the ground and provides for Samson, and then he revives, it says in verse 19. And then after that, after this, he judges Israel for 20 years. After this, in chapter 16, we see that Samson has still not gotten over the lust of his eyes and for his desire for women, because the next thing it says is that he goes to Gaza, once more a Philistine city or town, and goes in there to an harlot there. And when he finds out that men are lying in wait for him in the city to kill him, he goes in the middle of the night, instead of waiting until dawn, and instead of uh, trying to burst through the doors, he carries the doors of the city on his shoulders, pulls even out the very poles that are supposed to hold fast the doors and the bars of the city in their places, and he drops them in the hills outside of the city, uh, almost kind of putting to shame their very defenses, which are supposed to be the strongest points of that city. Then we see that Samson uh, comes to his relationship with Delilah, once again succumbing to the lust of his eyes and the desires of his heart over the desire to be holy and sanctified unto the Lord. Delilah 
is also a woman that he develops an illicit relationship with that he should not. But the Philistines then take advantage of this. And we see that Delilah never loved him because she loved money much more than him. And the Philistines offered to give her over 1,100 pieces of silver, which is a huge fortune in these days. Um, Delilah convinces Samson to eventually tell her what actually would uh, remove his strength from him, but not before he lies to her three different times. And the, the end, he tells her that he is a Nazarite and that, that if the hair of his head is shaved, he will lose his strength. Um, after this, she does. She makes him fall asleep upon her knees and brings in a barber and he cuts his hair and he loses all of his uh, strength that the Lord had given unto him. And this was the third of the three parts of the Nazarite vow that are now broken and now removed from Samson once his hair is cut off. After this, the Philistines come and they bind him. They, uh, they poke out his eyes and they remove him and make him blind. And then they take him down to Gaza and put him in the prison house there and made him grind, and which is a, also a, a kind of a shameful and dishonoring servant's job. And now after this, the hair then also begins to grow back. Now, they're hosting a party, they're hosting uh, a celebration, trying to worship Dagon, their false idol god, uh, for how they believe that he delivered Samson, their enemy, into, his, into their hands. In the midst of this celebration, in the midst of this idol worship, Samson prays unto the Lord and calls on him to give him just a little more strength so that he can push over the center pillars of this temple and destroy all, as all the Philistines that are there worshiping this false idol. And we see that the Lord grants his last prayer and grants the vengeance of Samson uh, as well as the vengeance of the Lord upon these Philistines that are worshiping this false idol and celebrating their destruction of Samson and of the Israelites. And so Samson pushes over these two center pillars that are holding up the very stone roof of this temple, and all of it collapses. And over 3,000 Philistines are then killed in this one act, in this last act of Samson. And we see that they, he killed more Philistines through his death there than he killed when he was alive. Then his house and his brethren, they all come up and they take his body and they bury him between Zorah and Eshtel in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And that's, this is the conclusion then of Samson, the 13th judge of Israel. Now please turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 14. We're going to read verses 17 through 19. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. So verse 17, he that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. If you let your emotions take control of your thoughts and your actions and your decisions, you will deal foolishly. You will make foolish decisions when you allow your emotions and your anger to take control rather than um, suppressing your emotions or relieving your emotions by surrendering them to God and acknowledging that we cannot control ourselves as well as the Lord and the Spirit can lead us. And a man of wicked devices is hated. Those that deal wickedly, those that um, create schemes and traps and snares for other people, they are hated because of their wickedness, because of their evil that they do to other people. The simple, in verse 18, inherit folly. Those that are, don't seek wisely to their goings and don't figure out 
things of how the circumstances are. Those that, for example, are, are looking for a new house, but they don't bother to look whether it's in a floodplain or whether it's in a an area that has an incredible uh, high rate of crime or of danger or of fire or if there's earthquakes or anything else. If they just don't look for any of that information or that uh, there's been a frequent problems like those things in the past, they will inherit folly. They will inherit problems by that. But the prudent, those that are wisely cautious, those that look to their goings, they are crowned with knowledge. In verse 19, the evil bow before the good. Those that do wickedly, those that do evil, they will uh, in the end bow before our Lord Jesus Christ. But also in this life, in this world, they will be subject to judges and to uh, law enforcement officers and to uh, the, the laws that they have broken. And so they will inherit or they will be bowed and humbled before those laws. And the wicked at the gates of the righteous, those that are put out, those that are uh, sent from the righteous and from the righteous city, they will look in from the outside, but they won't be accepted. And so we should not accept evil. We should not allow it to just go unchecked, either in our societies or in our congregations or in our churches. When we see wrong, we should call it out as wrong. Now we're going to read from John chapter 2 today. John chapter 2. And it says, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother, and his brethren, and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and found in the temple those that sold oxen, and sheep, and doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep, and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables, and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews, and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered, and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name. 
when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Here in chapter 2 of the book of John, we have the recorded third day of Jesus' public ministry that he has begun, and he's begun to call his disciples and call people to follow him and to learn after him and to continue to follow in him, in his teachings and in his ways. And he and his disciples were invited to this marriage at in Cana of Galilee. Now Jesus' mother was there, so we have to, and we can, uh, I think, safely assume that this was either someone who was uh, close to their family or possibly maybe even one of his own relatives, maybe even one of his own brothers or sisters was getting married. We don't know the, exactly who it was, but we do know that it was important enough that Jesus' mother was concerned that they had run out of wine at this wedding. And this was uh, would have been quite a shame for on one of the first days of the wedding or for any of the days of the wedding feast of the seven days of celebration to run out of wine for the people and for the guests that were enjoying this celebration. And so to preserve the honor of the bridegroom and of his family, uh, Jesus' mother comes to him and asks him uh, that, and tells him that they have no wine. They've run out. And he asks her and says unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. He was trying to say that his hour and time for him to pr uh, promote himself and to show himself as the Messiah in public ministry has not yet come. But he asks unto him, and she also then in faith tells the servants there at the wedding feast that to do whatever he saith unto you to do. And so they go and they fill six of these water pots of stone, which were used for purifying because stone was not easily made unclean and that the water could be considered clean in the these stone water pots as well. And so they use these and Jesus just immediately after they're filled tells them to go and to draw and to bring to the governor of the feast. And so they did so, and they brought it unto him, and he said, uh, at the beginning, everyone puts forth the good wine, and then the bad wine later when uh, people won't notice, but you've saved the good wine for last, just showing how what the Lord promotes, what he produces, especially what he produces in people's lives are perfect, pure, good, and better than anything else in this world that could possibly be created. We also see here that our Lord, he provides for people in their personal needs. He cares about the little things. Now, after this, it also records that he and his disciples, they go to Jerusalem, and when they go to Jerusalem, he finds in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and money changers. Now, these were not just people that were taking a certain form of currency and exchanging it for a fair value for another uh, form of currency. No, in this temple, they would only accept uh, specific silver shekels for the offering to the sanctuary that every man every year was supposed to come and to give. And they would take their local money that they had brought with them and change it for these civil, silver shekels, but at an exorbitant rate. And so they were cheating people of their money 
demanding that they only pay to the temple in this form that you can only get at the temple, that you can only buy for their rate at the temple. Then also they were making a double of amount of money by rejecting some of the oxen or some of the sheep or some of the doves saying that people, the ones that people had brought were not good enough. They had blemishes, even if maybe they didn't. And then they would demand that they buy uh, to fulfill the law of Moses and to fulfill the law of offering a sacrifice and offering an offering unto the Lord that they buy from the animals that they have there at the temple. Uh, this one's no good that you brought, but here's this good one, and it's only twice as much, uh, and so you're saving a great deal. This is a great sale right here, but it's twice as much as what you per purchased or what you brought with you. And so they would make double the amount of money off of people by cheating them. And so Jesus, he makes a scourge of small cords, it says. So um, one pastor I heard, he said, I just imagine seeing Jesus braiding this whip of cords and it just uh, mulling over everything that they are doing in front of his very eyes while he's braiding this whip of cords, knowing that he's about to drive them out, not being even deterred for a second, knowing that it's the right thing to do to drive out these cheaters, these scam artists from his temple, from his God's house, his father's house, which is a house of prayer. And he says, take these things hence, make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Stop cheating people in the name of God. And they ask him for a sign to prove why he's doing these things or by what authority he can do these things. And he tells them, destroy this temple, speaking of his own body, and in three days will I raise it up and declaring that he is going to be risen from the dead. He's going to resurrect himself from the dead. Then said the Jews, it took 46 years to build this temple, and you think that you're going to raise it up in three days? But they didn't understand what he was saying. Many times he spoke into par in parables unto people so that his disciples would know what he was saying. His Those that were following after him and seeking to know his wisdom would know what he was saying, but the general population, they wouldn't because they were not seeking to know him. After he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and John, he recorded that he had said this. And it also records that many believed on his name at this uh, Passover, at this feast day, because of the miracles that he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, it says, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. This is an interesting last passage, and I think that it just simply means that Jesus did not fully reveal himself unto all those that were watching and were looking upon him there, because he knew that not all of them would believe. And so he showed himself by his miracles and by those that were following after him, he showed them himself to those that would believe on him, those that would trust on him as their savior, as the Messiah. But those that would not, he did not reveal himself to because he knew that they would still reject him anyway. Well, friend, I want to say thank you for studying the word of God with me and bearing with me as we read through uh, all these chapters in the Bible today. I hope it's sure been a blessing for you. And if you have any praises or prayer requests, please send them to me at wwgcaleb at gmail.com. That's wwgcaleb at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to look at those and to pray with you for them. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk With God podcast.